Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bottled Up. And due to the monetary constraints of podcasting and the fact that I have no sponsors, we're going to cut this episode a little short because I can only upload three hours of content per 31-day cycle. So, if you would like to sponsor the show and receive all the perks associated with it with approximately a 1,000 plays so far in just about a month, which again is kind of blowing my mind at the moment, actually. It's it's really crazy to think about that. A thousand people had, well, maybe not a thousand people, but people have hit play on this show a thousand times. Really blows my mind. It's at about 995 plays now, and to each and every person, thank you. I genuinely really do appreciate it. It's kind of crazy to think that this show all started because I saw a couch in a room at my dorm and said, huh, that's that's strange, and I walked in, it's a full-fledged radio studio. And from there, I sort of grew the show and, and got more people on. And my first shows were not all that great, and I learned over time, and over the past year and change or so, I've, I feel like the quality has improved a lot. I became a NASCAR credential journalist and can bring more content to you that way. And speaking of, well, we could talk about that all night quite quite truthfully, but here we are with the last podcast of the year. You know, it's uh, December 29th when this will be uploaded. And to think that really we're already at the end of the year and on episode, gosh, I think this is 9 or 10. And already hitting the marks that we are, it blows my expecta- my expectations of the show is to have by this point probably about 200 plays. Um and I don't have any way to keep track of how many different people listen. I can see where people are listening from. I can see the total number of plays. But I can't see how many people have subscribed to it on iTunes or on any other platform. So going off of the information that I have, I would say we're doing a fantastic job. And again, I, I do genuinely want to say, as we sort of recap the year and wind things off with this last episode of the year... Thank you to each and every person that has hit play, who supported me in this, who has, you know, taken time out of their day to listen in and give me feedback or even just listen in and, and say, yeah, I, I listened. However, we're, uh, again, we can talk about that all night, but we're going to move on to another subject here in our last episode of the year as we recap the, the year and finish off what we started last week. Silly season is just about winding up. We're in the slower portion of silly season. But it's been absolutely crazy. And I was discussing it with someone earlier today, and it got me thinking just how much crazy stuff is, has happened, really. A.J. Allmendinger has moved out of the 47 car and up to the booth. He'll be replaced by Ryan Priest, which is notable because... Fact-check me on this, but I'm fairly certain in his last seven starts, he's averaged near a first-place finish. Or maybe that was 2016, but there was a stretch of his career where for about seven races, five to seven races, he averaged a first-place finish. Ryan Priest did. And that is just incredible to think about. You could put him in a race car, and statistically speaking, he should win that race. No matter where it is, he won at New Hampshire, he won at every, every different kind of track you can think of. And so now he'll be up in the 47, and that's mostly notable because that's a Chevy team. So, did she- you know, you can wonder, did Chevy put money in to try and get him away out of a Toyota? 
to get better drivers into Chevy cars. Not that they didn't have good drivers, but because really they were struggling, and I don't think that's really up for debate, and I could be wrong. But Chevy did not have a typical Chevy performance in the, the year of 2018. They won the Daytona 500 with their new body style, and everyone was really excited. I was really excited. Um, I try to be unbiased in my reporting, but in you know, in a personal podcast that I run, I feel like I can I have a little more wiggle room in 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 saying my opinion. So personally, uh, I grew up a Jeff Gordon fan. I've always been a fan of Chevys. I drive a Chevy personally. Most of my family drives Chevys. We've always just gr- grown up around GM products. And so when I see them in NASCAR, I, I kind of pull for them a bit. But they did not have a great showing. And it was most likely due to uh, going to a new body style and the challenges that are associated with that. And I'm sure we're going to see those growing pains in Ford next year when they switch over to the Mustang. That's going to be very interesting to see. They're the defending champions, and they're going over to the Mustang body style. How well will that work for them? I really don't know, but I'm very interested to see. The uh, championship favorites out of Las Vegas with no races run in the season, mind you, Kevin Harvick, 9-2, to two, Kyle Busch, 9-2. to two. And Joey Logano placed, I believe, fifth or seventh out of the ten drivers, top ten drivers listed. And that's pretty shocking. And you have to wonder if those numbers are crunched by computers, with people just inputting the data of starts and finishes and everything else, and doesn't have that human element of understanding, well, they're going to a new body style, and that typically doesn't go well for a year or two for a manufacturer. But then they hit their stride, and things go spectacularly until another manufacturer changes, they have their growing pains, and then they go out and dominate. And then the first manufacturer is now obsolete, and they need to update their technology, etc., etc. Chevy moving over to the Camaro worked well. They win the Daytona 500 in Austin Dillon. However, they very nearly lost it to a Ford. Eric Amarola got, I won't say got dumped, but, you know, took a took a hard hit in uh, the end there and got turned around and lost his position. So, again, going back to Ryan Priest, he'll be in the 47, driving for Chevy now, and that could be a spectacular move, and brings up the question of if Chevy is working behind the scenes, and I would love to get someone on the show from Chevy, a representative of theirs, to talk about this, or a Chevy driver of some sort. However, also in silly season, with forty-seven, the 47 Almondinger out, he's going up to NBC, and Ryan Priest is taking his spot, another person going up to a booth, but for... Fox this time is Jamie McMurray. He's out of the one car. Was offered a ride for the Daytona 500, which he has not accepted or declined yet, although rumor is that he's going to go over and race for them a third Chip Ganassi car, but that's speculation, and that's, you know, I tried, I say it every week, I try to stay away from just pure speculation. However, I feel like we can talk about it a bit with Silly Season. And speaking of pure speculation... There is another car open, and that's the uh, 41 over at Seward Haas. Who is going to take that seat? The rumor is it's going to be Daniel Suarez with Aris backing him. And as likely as that seems, there's still a part of me that is expecting something else to happen. Daniel Suarez is a fantastic driver, and he's got the money behind him with Aris. But is he the type of driver that Stuart Haas is going to take. And I don't mean that in any negative way, you know, dissing him as a driver, 
but would he fit in at Stuart Haas with his driving style of almost, I don't want to say he intends to ride the back, but he's not very aggressive. The only instance that comes to mind of Daniel Suarez being assertive and dominant was at Pocono when he was racing against his teammate Kyle Busch, and he ended up losing the spot, whether he gave it to Kyle or, or whatnot, it's up for debate. However, you don't really see him as assertive and dominant, but when you say assertive and dominant in NASCAR, the guys that come to mind, Jimmy Johnson, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick, and Clint Boyer, well, half of those guys are racing for Stuart Haas, and Eric Almirola has shown he's not going to take any more from, from anyone, really. He went out, and he was so close to winning so many races. Dover, the first Daytona, you know, he almost won the Daytona 500. And he he ended up getting his win at Dega. And he has shown and has said repeatedly in interviews he's not going to roll over. He had that issue with uh, Joey Logano at Texas where he he was expecting a bit more leeway from Joey, but came over the radio and said, I'm not taking this anymore. He's already won a race, this, that, etc. So... Will Suarez go over to the 41? Speaking monetarily, probably. He has the money to do it, to continue racing at a top-level team. But it also seems strange that this has not been announced yet. And I understand he was down racing in Brazil. I believe he was racing in Brazil. I know he was down there in the country. But whether or not that would have an impact on announcing this, I'm not quite sure. I haven't heard, personally, any rumors of who's going to be taking over the seat, and I'm sure somebody somewhere knows, and that, you know, pen has been put to paper already, but we've yet to see. So that's probably the last big piece missing in this 40-car field of drivers on what'll happen. Another interesting story is Landing Castle has been chosen to run full-time in the double zero for Sarcom Racing. That is set in stone. However, if you recall, there was a second car for Starcom that ran most of the races. The exception, uh, Indy, they did not run a second car. They were actually, speaking to Derek Cope, this was, I didn't record the conversation, but speaking with him personally, he he informed me that other teams had paid him, uh, not him personally, but had paid the team to not feel a second car so that they could each get a higher finishing position, one spot higher than they would have. And I thought that was extremely interesting. And that's a really a, a conversation I would, I would like to have with Mr. Cope uh, when I get him on the show again, should that happen, should we be lucky enough to get him on again. But that was one of the first times I'd ever heard of that happening. And I guess I don't talk to the underfunded teams enough. As much as as much love as I try to get them, it's it's probably not enough work being done to get drivers from those teams on the show. And it's it's always incredible talking to them. Because if you were to put, let's say we go back to the 90s and early 2000s and we get IROC races, International Race of Champions. Same car, same setup, same everything. The driver jumps in and the best driver at that track will win the race. Everyone runs the same equipment. And if you put Landon Castle versus Jimmy Johnson, well, that'd be a great race to watch. You know, probably Jimmy Johnson has his experience and skill. He would uh, pull away. But what if you were to put Alex Bowman versus Landon Castle? Both were test drivers. Landon Castle, most people don't know this, was a test driver for Hendricks. And he's got quite a bit of skill, and I don't want to 
sit here and spend the whole, I could easily spend the entire time just talking about how great I think Landon Castle is and everything else. However, if you were to put these guys in cars side by side, identical everything, and just sit down and prove who's the better driver, it would be quite a show. And people have talked about that for an all-star race format, or excuse me, for like the all-star race to have these guys run similar or identical cars and the only thing that changes is the sponsor on each car of what the car is wrapped with. But, again, that's a whole other conversation for a whole other week. So, you have that second car uh, open for Starcom. I believe they've, well, I know they have purchased the charter for one car, but that second charter is still up in the air. And if I recall correctly from the beginning of the season, they had a three-year lease on that charter. And I could be wrong. However, I'm fairly certain that there was talk earlier of Starcom Racing still having that second charter and whether they will use that car for people, uh, Greg Galding already, I was going to say Greg Galding, he already has a full-time ride, um, I believe in the Xfinity series off the top of my head if I'm correct, uh, so guys like Joey Gase, guys like J.J. Yaley, you know, the ones that will come in, purchase a ride for the week, pay the X amount, X hundred thousand dollars, you know, to run a race at Dago, Daytona, whatever, and whether that car will be for them, whether it'll be run by their sort of backup driver, former ARCA driver, Kyle Weatherman, is up for debate as well. However, the only driver they have locked in full and have committed this during silly season is Landon Castle. And TriStar Motorsports, I am not sure on any announcements they've made. They had two drivers, Corey LaJoy and Cole Witt. Corey LaJoy was the one that endured the most uh, mechanical problems <laughs> throughout the season. And I'll tell you what, you want a driver who has worked his way up from the bottom, has not had a cent paid for them that they didn't earn, and hasn't been put in a race car that they didn't drive their hearts out for, that's Coyle Joy. And he's won in K&N. He's just a fantastic driver all around. Uh, I would I would consider him uh, a personal friend, so that's why I, I know so much about him off the top of my head. But that that guy is really incredible in his ability to get deals done and it's shocking how how far his talent alone gets him without the wallet to back it up. He will be running the 32 next year, taking over Matt DiBenedetto's spot. Matt DiBenedetto has moved from the 32 to the 95. He'll be running a Toyota now uh, with Levine Family Racing. So, sponsored by Procore, and I believe there's a flight company as well, but they might have stuck with Casey Kane. Casey Kane has retired, as I'm sure everyone listening to this knows. Casey Kane has retired. He'll be doing uh, dirt car racing, and he's sponsored... No, his teammate is sponsored by Napa. He's sponsored by, I believe it was Procore. And he's doing dirt track racing now, sprint cars. And that was due to his health issues and not being able to physically, not being able to be behind the wheel of those cars for four hours. And quite frankly, I don't blame him. I I once raced uh, 30 laps in the Rusty Wallace driving experience in a super late model, and after 30 laps, I got out soaked in sweat. If you can imagine, and that was a half mile track. If you can imagine driving a one mile track. At 200 miles an hour, well, maybe not 200, 180 miles an hour, and doing that for three hours, 
you'd be uh, probably pretty dead. I saw the number that always jumps out at me whenever I say, whenever I talk about this, is that they lose 10 pounds per race just from the amount of work going and sweating and everything else. And whether that's still true or not, whether there's an updated statistic, I'm not sure of. But you really can't blame the guy. So now he's moving over to, you know, sprint cars, dirt racing, where it's open cockpit, so it's a little easier on the drivers, and they do heat races and future races that are much shorter. So all the best to Casey Kane. He got, you could say he got a bit snubbed at the end of the year where with recognition where Jeff Gordon, <laughs> you know, received ponies from Texas Motor Speedway for his kids and all these other accolades. And the entire year talking about Jeff Gordon's last ride, and, you know, the hashtag 24 ever. You got to feel kind of bad for Casey Kane, where he's perhaps not as successful, but he's certainly a fantastic driver. Many would argue Hall of Fame worthy, and really just got, got snubbed where he got moved over out of the five car over to the 95 to an underfunded team, and is now at the point where he can't, he, you know, you can't take a 25th place car and get it a top 10 at Kansas, at Kentucky, at these, you know, typical one mile, mile and a half tracks. You're not going to take a 25th place car and put it in the top 10 at New Hampshire. It just doesn't happen. You might be able to do it at Dega or Daytona, but that's just real, really luck. You could take a first place car at Dega and finish 30th, just falling out of the draft. You never know. However, regardless of all this, we do want to wish Casey Kane the best in his future endeavors. And going back to what we were just discussing with Corey LaJoy, absolutely fantastic driver. He'll be racing in the 32 car. And there's a whole story that I highly encourage you to read uh, of an article of the team owner. Essentially, he got uh, his son was racing uh, against Corey, and they raced and wrecked near the end of the race at New Hampshire, I believe it was two or three to go yeah, in the K&N series. And the team owner, the current team owner of Go Fast Racing, walked over to Randy LaJoy, Coy's dad, and said, your son will never drive anything that I own. Well, a couple years later, Coy LaJoy is now signed to that team, and the first thing he said to Corey after Penn was put to paper was, well, i got to call your dad and apologize. So... It's going to be a very interesting year, especially with the package, the new package, the aero package that takes away horsepower and is attempting to bring the pack all together. It's going to be quite interesting to watch. And for more information on that, I highly encourage you to listen to last week's episode where we covered similar topics of looking at the year in review. This Today we specifically covered Silly Season and how absolutely wild it's been, how the 41 car is still open. And I believe I covered most of the major moves, if I'm wrong. Tweet at me at Bottled Up Radio on Twitter. Uh, follow the page on Facebook, Bottled Up on Wiley Radio. And if you're not listening on iTunes, if you're listening somewhere else, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play Store, or on Buzzsprout, where this podcast is hosted. If you would like to listen on iTunes predominantly, that's where most of the listeners come in. You can listen there. Or, like I mentioned earlier, you can listen in on TuneIn, Spotify, the Google Play Store or Buzzsprout directly, and if you need any of those links, they're available in my pinned tweet on Twitter, at Bottled Up Radio again. I just want to say thank you again to everyone as the year winds down and we get to this last episode of the year, which is still absolutely blowing my mind that we have reached the point of the end of the year, 
and in the past 365 days accomplished so much, and there's only, really only more to come in 2019, I'm absolutely, unbelievably excited for it. I can't wait for this time to come. It's going to be incredible. I'm hoping to go to more races, cover more races there. I've still got my trusty recorder, and I have it on me any, anywhere I go. If I've got my, I've, I've established a reputation in the media center for the races that I've gone to. They see me, they know I've got my Purdue polo shirt on, I've got my Purdue hat, and I've always got my backpack with me with my laptop and recorder inside. I'm ready to go anytime, anyplace, so that I can walk up to a driver's hall, and if I see him there, I'll say, hey, you got time for an interview? And I'm sure there'll be more to come next year. We've got a lot of really exciting stuff coming up for even just the next month. The next month is all planned out, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. So, again, thank you to each and every person listening. If you have any feedback for the show, rate, review it, send it to me on social media. But thank you so much to everyone who's listening. This has been another episode of Bottled Up on Wiley Radio.